Hey everyone, it's Will and James here. Welcome to the Pure Sport Project. We want to jump into the minds of people we find inspiring from all walks of life. Bringing you their stories, lessons learned along the way, and future plans. So tune in for some of them wholesome yarns. The Pure Sport Project, we are back and live with Yoli, but more importantly, Mr. Matt Rodwell. Background on Matt, we'll get into it, but he's a CrossFit OG. He knew about CrossFit before you knew about CrossFit, and he was really, really good at it. But the man is more than just an athlete. He's got a past in CrossFit. He's got a past in modeling, as I said, as well as just being an all-round deep thinker and great guy for advice on basically anything. So Matt, I don't want to do you a disservice. What we normally do is let our guests give themselves a proper introduction and then we'll take it from there. Thank you, William. Pleasure to be here, boys. Matt Rodwell, 29, gym owner, most recently. That is where I'm at right now. Back in London for the first time in a couple of years after a long stint in the Middle East. Um, doing something that actually... I'm really excited to get up in the morning and do it, which feels fucking great, you know. Um, as you said, I did CrossFit for a while. Been doing it since 2011. Competed, went to regionals twice, which was amazing, super fun. Been around this sport for a while. Seen it go through some highs, some lows, but seems to be on like, you know, and in a good place right now, which is super exciting. I think the new owner of CrossFit's gonna bring some positives to it um prior to crossfit surf professionally originally i was born in zimbabwe and then left at 11 spent four years in costa rica which is where i started surfing and then moved to the uk plan was to move to france but that just didn't really happen so parents ended up taking us down to cornwall which is where i went to school continued to surf had a brief party career <laughs> and then you know in the wake of that kind of found crossfit i found the drinking partying was making me surf worse so i was kind of looking for something to help me you know get back to where i was with my surfing and my dad was like hey you should try crossfit and i did it you know i did a couple of workouts just following crossfit.com and this is like back when chris spieler and like all of these guys would post their workout times underneath the workouts on CrossFit.com. Like on CrossFit.com, you'd do the workout of the day, you'd write in a comment, this is my time, this is what I did, you know. And for me, it like hooked me straight away because I grew up, you know, in Zimbabwe where sport was compulsory. So I swam competitively, I ran cross country competitively, I played cricket, I played rugby, like every sport, like you know, we were at school from 6 a.m. till 1, and then from, like, 1, we had, like, an hour's lunch, and then 2 p.m. till 5 p.m., you play, like, three sports after school every day, five days a week. I should have grown up in Zimbabwe. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> That's what we did at school. It was it was so ridiculous. You would just play before school, on your breaks. You'd have set actual games, like a game session in the afternoon. Then you'd have prep in the evening, and then after prep, you'd go out and play again. Wait, hold up. Sorry, I'm just going to talk about James. Did you go to posh school? Uh, boarding school. Saying that's posh. Did you pay for school? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> the geezer in the bucket out here did not have, <laughs> did not have those privileges. <laughs> and here I'm at work in a vest. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like I played a lot of 
competitive sport, both individually and team. I always did better individually. Why do you think that is? Just probably a... To be honest, I'd like, and I'm, I had this chat with you after Turf Games, actually. It was like, Turf Games is the first, like, team comp I've done in, like, years, you know? Like, what team event I've done in years. And I think a lot of it, for me, I mean, it might be it might be a trust thing, but I don't, I don't think it's a trust issue. I think it's more just I prefer being accountable to myself, you know, and not, you know, I've always hated the idea of losing for a reason that's out of my control. You know what I mean? Because it's like, that's a hard pill to swallow. Like if you lose a game because someone else made a mistake, whether it be rugby, or if you lose an event because someone made a mistake in CrossFit or whatever it is, it's very fucking, it's a, it's a really hard pill to swallow because you're like, well, I did everything I need to, they didn't. And so, you know, that was kind of always why I preferred to compete individually. It's probably also a lot of ego in there as well. You know, just wanting the glory, wanting to be, the, you know, the, the man, the guy, whatever it was. It's definitely probably ego involved in that as well. <laughs> but it was, you know, CrossFit for me, it was, it was really, it was a, like a, a really instant transition because I had gone from competing in the surfing realm, which is individual, but the judging and the criteria for surfing and to be successful is entirely subjective to four people sat in a box. You have four people sat in a box watching you surf and they deem what is, you know, good surfing. And there's a criteria to it. So, you know, most radical maneuvers in the most critical positions on the wave, etc. Understand the criteria, but it's still four, you know, people, guys and girls that are judging you on what they deem good surfing to be. And I had a lot of experiences where I went out and I surfed and I had a, a lot of fun and I felt like, hey, I did really well. And then I would have come third in my heat, not made it to the next round. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is shit. Yeah. And that was for me where I kind of fell into a very vicious cycle of, you know, not doing well in competition, being kind of upset and hurt about it, partying aggressively. Mm. And then that like, you know, that cycle is like fucking, it's a real hard one to break. And there's only one that recently, you know, within the last probably year, you know, that I've managed to get a real understanding of and a real grasp on. Because, like, I was sober 18 to 25, no drinking, no partying. I mean, I, like, went out and partied, but, like, no drinking, no drugs, nothing, you know, like, completely clean. And then I had a partner, and she hated drinking by herself, and I kind of started drinking and partying again. And it kind of, you know, like... I'm definitely a person of extremes. Mm -hmm. Like I don't do things in like lightly or half measures. If I'm going to do it, like I want to go all the way. The full ass mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> full ass mentality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like things kind of escalated. Not badly, but you know, I definitely, I found that cycle that I had had when I was 18 kind of showed its face again, like 26, 27, you know, a little bit last year as well when I was in Turkey. And it's funny because I recently started therapy. I've had a therapist now for like the last three months. And it's now understanding like what my triggers are and what leads me to go into those positions. And so like, you know, I think in the wake of my relationship, I was deeply unhappy, you know, and hurt by the way that breakup went. There was a lot of stuff there that happened, which had never happened to me before. Like, and it kind of shocked me. 
And so like I fell back into that partying aggressively to try and like pretend that hadn't happened. And then kind of escalated and it transpired, you know, because I wasn't particularly happy or fulfilled with the work I was doing. I was working for a friend of mine in the Middle East, great guy, great people, you know, did a lot for me. But my work and what I was doing wasn't fulfilling me in any way. And it was causing me a great deal of unhappiness because I was kind of stuck in that position. And this was all during COVID, right? No, that early part was when I was working in the Middle East, right? And so that was when like the partying kind of like kicked off again and then left working in the Middle East, came back to the UK for a bit, went out to Turkey, COVID happened, had a great training phase. Probably, I remember. Yeah, yeah. just seeing you lifting tin on a balcony, (laughs) putting like 130 over your head and then being like, right, I can't drop this and just carrying it back down (laughs) to the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. This guy, what is he doing? So there's a lot of like eccentric loading going on yeah. at that time, right? So, you know, we built, basically I went to Turkey for like a week to go catch up with one of my buddies. He was like, why don't you come out here? We'll work together. You know, let's, you know, see what we can do. So I ended up, I came back to the UK, packed a bag, went back to Turkey. COVID happened, bam. Ended up getting stuck there. And like in the first week that we were stuck, it was just like, let's build a gym. So we like built a gym on the balcony. One of my friends, Dave Ether, he's like, he just won like gold medal as a senior in in the US weightlifting. Mm. He's a real good weightlifter. We kind of like trained together a long time ago at Central London. He now owns a weightlifting gym. I was like, hey, I want to get strong. So he sent me this program, <laughs> seven front squats, 13 back squats, like crazy volume. You're doing that, that squat in three times a week and you're doing some snatching and other stuff as more of assistance. I saw that. Then you build up to like 140. For that seven plus. So I built up to 140 and then I hit 150 for seven plus 13. And on the 13th back squat, like I tore my quad. Yeah, I remember that. Didn't you do one set that you did an extra rep? Yeah, I remember watching that. I was like, I counted them. I was like, you've done 14 there, mate. (laughs) (laughs) But so, you know, like looking at like, looking at like my triggers and the things that like affected me, that was like a prime example. Because like I was in Turkey, I got injured. Right, I tore my quad and I just fucking like, I was like, fuck this, you know, like I'd had three months, like probably the best training I'd had since 2015, mm-hmm. which was the last time I got like badly injured. I'd had all this great training. I'd done all this hard work for three months, got injured. And I was just like, well, what's the fucking point? And I didn't realize internally that that was my reaction until now. And it's easy to see it in hindsight that I was just like, I had like a fuck it moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. It's not worth it or whatever, you know? And that's my bad, you know, but that's also like how I've dealt with things in the past. You know, something I, I'm working actively not to do anymore, you know, avoid those fuck it moments mm-hmm. because they're not good when they come around. But yeah, like I tore my quad on the 13th rep at 150. And it's, you know, it, it's funny because it was all ego with that lift. I saw Dave do... 150 for 7 plus 13 and I was like I'm gonna get 150 for 7 plus 13. Mm-hmm. I hit 140 for 7 plus 13 the week before and then I went to Bodrum for like five days didn't really train in Bodrum drank hung out ate shit food just had a good time a little vacay time and then I came back and instead of like using my head and <laughs> be like okay I've just had a week off I should probably like go easy here 
I just went, I was like, fuck it. Nah, I'm sweet. I'm going to go for 150. Let's go. Let's do it. Went for 150, got injured. And then like, I just, I basically kind of just went on a rampage in Turkey. You know, I was just like, I couldn't really, like I was struggling to walk, you know, and I had friends and stuff there and I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm not going to be training for a while. I'm just going to enjoy myself. And, it, you know, like one of the things I've always had is like, it's fun until it's not fun. I'm having a good time for for a while and then like I have like a penny drop moment. I'm like, hey, I'm not having fun anymore. <laughs> okay, let's go harder, yeah. which is a really weird thing to like conceptualize. But that's just how I've always been until quite recently. It's the chase. It's the chase, isn't it? Just chasing you're it, often, chasing it, chasing find, it, chasing it. You often find the worst times are when, when there's a chase involved and you often find that you never find what you're seeking either. Yeah. You're always like, oh no, if I, if I do this or if I do some more, like that's going to be the point where I'm going to enjoy it. But for the most part, if it's drinking wise, it's normally the first three or four, you're having a really good time. And yeah. Then, and then the rest and of then, it just goes massively yeah. downhill, yeah, yeah, you know, but it's, it's, it's funny how human nature drives you to do that or the things that you're chasing that are unachievable. And like, we can talk about it now and we know it is, but at some point I'll be chasing things again. Yeah. <laughs> we all do it, but I don't know. It's lessons learned. But I, I find like the whole, the, the COVID thing and you getting injured was, I found what I saw people doing at the start of that was, oh, we've got this time off. We thought it was going to be like three weeks. Mm. Everyone was massively in their fucking living rooms doing a live workout. <laughs> Everyone was doing it. And then I found that there was that drop-off phase where people were like, oh shit, no, this is actually sticking around longer than, longer than it should. And I did it as well. I did the whole home workout thing. I remember my friend said, you're never going to get... My friend, do you know Dr. John Leary in LA? He owns Remedy Place, but he said something real wise. He was like, we're never going to have this much free time ever again. And when I heard that the first time, I was like, shit, yeah, we're not. Like, this is going to be like a month or two. I suddenly have 24 hours in the day to do things I wouldn't normally do, like, I don't know, read, meditate, stretch. So yeah, that lasted two weeks. And then all of a sudden it was, drinking's fun and the sun's out. <laughs> Fucking let's do that. <laughs> And it was just like everyone was on Zoom doing their birthdays, getting shit-faced yeah. and making bad decisions. But yeah, it was a strange cycle to be in. And I'm very glad we're out of it. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, COVID was, I mean, it's so funny because like there's there were so many different moments through COVID, especially early on. There was like that whole house party moment. Mm -hmm. Where everyone downloaded oh, house party, house party. <laughs> wow, and then everyone died. was like, "No, there's a data leak. You have to delete house party. Get on Zoom." So now everyone's on Zoom. I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" You know what I mean? And then like, what was the next phase? Tiger King. Oh, Tiger, yeah, Tiger yeah. King was a full phase during lockdown where like everyone was watching it. It was like, "Oh, Carol Baskin did it." You know what I mean? Like, and like we went through all of these phases, you know, through it, and then countries started to open up again. We kind of got teased with a little bit of normality, et cetera, you know, and then fuck, we went into lockdown again over winter, you know. What were those teasing moments like for you? Did you go anywhere? Did you do anything? Did you fall off? Did you did you try and ignore it? Ignore the call? The to call be honest, like it was, it, it was, a, I mean, my like my lockdown experience was like completely opposite to everyone else's, right? I had that initial three months where Turkey was locked down. Like, and I got stuck there pretty much. They locked the airports, they locked everything. Nobody in, nobody out. And I was lucky. The position I was in in Turkey at that time was 
you know, like well, it was great. Was there was there an was there an essence of concern, or because you're such a, like a well-traveled guy, and you've been obviously you said Zimbabwe, Costa Rica, you've been about. Do you feel sort of comfortable in those scenarios? You're like, well, I don't have somewhere I consider home, kind of where I am or where I'm happy. Yeah, or, or were you a bit like uneasy about not knowing what you would be in four weeks' time? Like, can I get back? Was there any element of that? No, I mean, I was like. I was pretty set. So like I was like living with like a good friend of mine. We were working together on projects. So it was like we were we were set, you know, he was working from home. I was helping him with work. Like we had the gym, we had everything. I was like I was in no rush to go anywhere either, you know. So for me it was pretty I was like, Okay, well this is what we're hit with right now. You know, we crack on. You know, we just keep it moving. And it's funny that you talk about the meditation and the reading and that whole phase. Like there was definitely a phase there at the beginning where like I got really into my Wim Hof breathing, you know, built up to a big static breath hold. I was doing my, you know, cold showers every day and I was reading every day and it, it was a real good, there, there was a real good period there. My drop off happened when I got injured. Yeah. So as soon as I got injured, it was just like, fuck it. You know, I had that fuck it moment. But then again, you know, it's like I look at lockdown, like the way the UK eased restrictions last summer and the way things happened here, it was very different to what happened in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Like Turkey was basically like, they got to summer and they were like, okay, we need tourism. So everything's open, do whatever you want. And that kind of like tied in to be like the perfect storm for me where it was like, I was quite unhappy. You know, I'd injured myself. I had a couple of friends pitch up from New York and I was just like, okay, we're just going to party and see what happens, you know? And then like during that whole period, I met my like ex-girlfriend we got together and, you know, she actually like helped me get more aligned with myself mm-hmm. in a massive way. I think when we met, like she kind of picked up that I was in a bad place. But the problem was when we met, like, I don't think she realized quite how bad of a place I was in. And so the nature of that, like, set us up kind of like for failure. You know, like there was a lot of trust issues and a lot of shit that like we had from the onset, just based on the amount of drugs I was using recreationally, the amount of drinking I was doing, like all of that. Like I was in a position where I wasn't happy, where, you know, like I was just fucking trying to like self-medicate my pain, you know, in all the wrong ways, like looking for happiness in all the wrong places. But she fully helped me like fucking get a grip on, you know, all of that. She had some fairly stern terms to it, you know, which which is another thing, you know, that I've spoken, like, you know, I spoke to my therapist about this at the weekend. Like, I think I've had, like, quite, well, I have quite a lot of friction towards sobriety based on my two past experiences with it. So when I was 18, when I first, like, when I went sober the first time, like, I was sober for seven years. So I was sober 18 to 25. I had an ultimatum for my dad where it was like, you can either have the drink and the drugs and the party and the fighting and all that shit, or you can have your family, but you can't have both. And for me, like my family's everything. So it was a very easy choice. Bang, done, you know, but it was not a choice that I made willingly or on my own. And then the same thing happened again, kind of with Diana. She was like, you you know, if we're going to be together, it's none of that. It's like you need. It's like you need to make that decision on your own terms, so you can move forward with it, yeah. rather than being given an ultimatum. And maybe that's ultimately you being understood as a person, 
and kind of how you even how you spoke at the start about competing on your own like you want things on your terms and then you can manage and deal with them better than sort of an external force being like you have to do this because you you probably you know yourself you've said it you said it openly like you know all the right things to do sometimes you fall off but i think the penny drops or the final decision has to be yours for it to be something you're going to continue with well exactly you know and i think it comes down to choices and like doing therapy and those things has like made a big difference remembering like and acknowledging that everything that happens and everything you do is a choice right obviously there are certain aspects of life that are like out of your control but for the most part like it comes down to choices you know like you whatever trajectory you're on you get to a choice point and you can choose either does this align with my life with where i want to be with what i want to do or does it not and you have a choice to make that you know you have a choice to make that and when you make that decision okay if you didn't you know if you choose something that doesn't then there's a price and i talk about this a lot with my members at the gym like everything has a price right so if i go out and i party and you know i do whatever i end up doing big night out i'm going to feel off center i'm going to feel a little slow i'm going to feel lethargic for a couple of days it takes me a couple of days to recover and get back on my feet for me right now starting a business doing what i'm trying to do like with where i want to be and what i want to achieve that price is too high and i had a great like conversation with my buddy joey about it you know because I do have quite a hedonistic, you know, like side to me, like, you know, like I do enjoy to party and to do those things, you know, like like there is an element that enjoys that. I think that's largely tied into like how my party career per se started in Cornwall and those things. But, you know, when you get older and when you try to start a business and when you try to do these things, you have to remember that you know that like freedom that you have in your early 20s it changes right and if you're going to go out and party it has to be a little bit more planned and thought out so it's like if i'm going to go out if i'm going to you know like if i'm planning something you know i need to make sure i have a day off the next day or two days off even so that the next day you know you're not in the gym or in your workplace operating suboptimally that phase of my life at least is done where it's like you can just go out on an idle wednesday you know get shit faced or whatever and then you know not have anything you know there's there's, there's no consequences it sounds like you give yourself grace as well if it's planned then the next day you're not questioning yourself like oh why did i do that why did i do this like you've set yourself up to allow yourself to do something because you know what the offset's going to be and so you've planned for it Yeah and I think it's just planning for it and having choices it, like you know making the right choices makes a big difference you know being like okay I'm going to go out and it's okay for me to do this because I chose to do it and I have allocated time to recover in the wake of it you know and I think that that side of it is really really important the, you know like I said the every everything has a price you know if you want to compete there's a price that comes with competing right and that price is sacrifice being you know super super diligent with where you put your energy how you spend your energy you know like protecting your energy all of those things like if you want to be competitive you need to be you know selfish really selfish same as business i guess it crosses over with everything you're doing now you know, like now like there's a little, you know like i've been in london on and off for nearly 10 years and it's like i got a lot of friends here that are amazing people you know and i love them to bits 
but they're people that I've spent majority of our friendship within a party environment. And it's like, for me, like now I'm like, I want to see these people, but I'm not willing to go into that party environment with them because it's too triggering. You know, it's like, I'm like, Hey, if you guys want to hang out, let's go for dinner. Hey, if you guys want to hang out, let's go, you know, come meet me at the gym or, you know, like picking those environments that you can, you know, that you're a little bit more in control of makes such a difference for me at least. And it's, yeah, it's, it's it, you know, like I said, everything has a price and you got to like choose whether you're willing to pay it. And for me, like right now with where I'm at and with what I'm trying to do, like the price of going on big nights out and stuff like that is just way too high. Is there any people that, you know, you've been friends with a long time that have either gone through the same thing that you're going through where they kind of have to remove themselves from that environment? Or is there any friends that you've kind of had to just say, like, not in such short terms, but just be like, we can't be friends anymore because if I be friends with you, then I'll go backwards in this kind of journey that you're on. I don't think I've said it in those kind of terms, but I've definitely like distanced myself a little bit from some people, mm -hmm. you know, it's like even the Sunday, there was a huge party going on and I was like tucked up in bed at 10 o'clock, like proud of myself. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, do you high five yourself? I sometimes do when I make that decision. Do it. Yeah, I'm like, fucking well done, Will. <laughs> High five. You wake up the next morning, you're like, fuck, I am the king. <laughs> All those other people might have had a good time until like midnight, but they're still up yeah. and now they're fucking hating life. Yeah. But it's, you know, like to that, you know, it's like this weekend, there's like a festival in my hometown in Newquay, Boardmasters, Gorillas are headlining. Like I got friends DJing and stuff. Like it's a sick weekend. I've gone to that festival nearly every year I've since i've lived in the uk every year. <laughs> <laughs> you know like it is one of my favorite it is one of my favorite weekends of the year but it's like you know like and I, and I was having an honest like you know conversation with myself at least i thought i was you know i was like is this the right choice you know to go to this festival and you know i spoke to my dad about it and i was just like you know like all i'm doing by coming to boardmasters is like pretending that what everything else in my life isn't happening. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to Boardmasters. I'm going to spend three days there, four days there, partying, having a sick time. Subconsciously, I think there's going to be all an underlying theme stressing me out where I'm unable to truly enjoy myself, yeah. you know? And then on Monday, I'm going to wake up and be like, fuck, you know, I need to speak to lawyers. I need to speak to sound surveyor. I need, you know, like there's going to be a lot going on on Monday. And it's like, instead of doing that, I just decided, you know what, I'm pulling the plug on it. You know, there's always another year. I had a similar thing with Wilderness Festival with all those marathons I've got coming up. Could have had yeah. a VIP, do what you want, free pass for fun. And I was like, no, thank you. Mm. Not today, Thanks Satan. Thanks very much, but like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. no, but it's not. For those who don't know, we have an ongoing theme that if Satan calls... <laughs> We we all we all recognise this, like, even at the Golden Mile, because DJ Twiggy was throwing it down. There was free beers everywhere, and we did the little sign. Oh God, Satan's calling! But then we all declined. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. A, it's like a joke, but it's kind of I don't know for like for when we do it as well. Ooh, Yoli is having I a little growl. But it's kind of like it's a it's a thing we joke about. But I think almost having that joke is like um like recognition like yeah. recognition and remembering for like us as friends yeah. like we'll laugh about it but it is like we're all, we're 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 like protecting each other being like nah see you later say yeah <laughs> but you know i think a lot of what 
I think a lot of what it is, though, is like you, if you look at this community and if you look at like particularly our like immediate community, the friendship group we have and, you know, all of us, like there's a lot of intensity and there's a lot of like, you know, a lot of what we've all done has been to some form of extreme, mm-hmm. whether it's playing rugby or CrossFit or surfing or whatever it is. And I think when you've had these things in your life and that intensity, it's kind of hard to step away from it mm-hmm. in a way. You know, like I think you've got to acknowledge that a lot of your childhood and a lot of those things kind of, I mean, essentially your childhood shapes you, right? And the trauma you face and see as a child shapes how you are as you grow up. Mm-hmm. A lot of like, in, I think it's important to acknowledge that trauma and understand where it comes from. But I think also like a lot of that, you know, the the environment you grew up in, like, you know, and if you have been exposed to, you know, intense sport or highly competitive sport and stuff, it does come out in other ways as well. You know, like I, it's so funny because a lot of successful athletes, you know, you'll see when they retire or whatever, they go hard, you know. And it is maybe, maybe it is that thing like Will was saying, you know, but for chasing it, you know, that that, that chase, you know. When you've when you've been successful or when you've played those competitive sports, that adrenaline rush that you know that you get from there, you start to chase and you start to look for in other ways. That dopamine hit. <laughs> you know. That's great. Yeah. Is this all, is this all stuff that you've discovered recently? Because you've been very open on social media about um, starting with a therapist and that kind of stuff, or is this stuff you've kind of discovered by yourself and then thought, well, actually, I'm going to go speak to a therapist about this and discover more. I mean. I've all I've always been pretty conscious and pretty aware of like the internal workings of myself. At least I thought I have. I like I definitely didn't understand it, but I was definitely conscious and aware of like where my mind was going, like how I was feeling. I only recently discovered and and started to develop the tools to be able to acknowledge, hey, this is anxiety that I'm feeling. Hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed, you know. And like the reason I got a therapist is just because, you know, credit to my ex, you know, she was like, I think you need to speak to a therapist. You know, I think it'll make a big difference. She wanted me to go to AA and I tried it out, but it's just, for me, the language they use in AA is really unfortunate. I think sobriety is an incredible thing and I think it's incredibly powerful. And if it's, you know, if it's what you need, if you're an addict, then I think, you know, like go do it. It will make a big difference for me, you know, I grew up, a lot of my mum's family are Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having to, you know, go to meetings and Bible studies and all of these things as a kid, which, you know, when I really think about it, I didn't want to go at all. You know, I was kind of forced into, you know, partaking in religion and just this environment that just felt a bit icky to me, mm-hmm. you know, even from an early age. And so when I ended up going to AA, like the first thing they do is they say a prayer, you know, surrender yourself to God, what, 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 And I was just like, nah, you know, and that's my own shit that I have to work on. But then I got my therapist, Jen, she had a very similar like upbringing to me, traveled a lot, you know, always moving. And we started speaking and that was like, like for me, like working with Jen has been like the best thing ever. Like, because it's helped me develop the tools to identify how I feel, why I feel, you know. You know, we've been doing a lot of, like, 
in a you know like um in a child work mm-hmm. i guess is what you would classify it as you know looking at all the things that you know i went through growing up as a kid that i never perceived to be weird or traumatic mm. but then you tell your therapist them and they're like that's pretty fucked up or you know there there there's certain things there that i've definitely only began to understand recently and it's yeah man i would like i love therapy i do i i have therapy every saturday we usually do like 2 hours 5 p.m. till 7 p.m. and it just helps me stay and this is a word from jen congruent <laughs> word of the day congruent with myself you know and it's like what is congruent with yourself it's when you're in harmony in line when everything's aligned right and it's just like you know cuz i i do suffer with a lot of chatter in my head you know yesterday and the day before I, like my inner voice was just fucking eating at me you know like got a lot going on with work right now like you know like been super super stressed and my inner voice is just eating at me eating at me eating at me you know and when i continue to show up for myself by going to bed early by eating well by doing my workout every day that inner voice is a lot more manageable and it just comes down to living you know congruently with yourself you know in line with the things that are good for you and make you feel good and that you actually want for yourself and you know like therapy you know and understanding this stuff is quite a new thing for me understanding those emotional feelings what they are being able to identify them is new but i've i feel like i've always been pretty conscious of like what's going on but now you can manage it better but now i can definitely manage it better and you know? and therapy just for for people listening because it's it's almost something that people don't talk about enough but we've got a guy here that's you're very open with it what is tell people what the process was for you for finding that therapist did you speak to other people first yeah because it might be one of those things like you don't want to just fucking go and google in it hearing yeah. it from someone that does it and really gets great benefits out of it what what is the process from finding I mean, one and I think that the thing with therapy right like the most important thing and Jen said this to me and you know anybody like I've got like quite a few girlfriends who've got therapists you know girls are way more open to getting a therapist and to be fair you know and to be honest like i used to think you know like oh, it's just a fucking american thing americans and their fucking therapists <laughs> you know <laughs> but now that i've got a therapist i'm like i'm i wish i'd had one sooner the process for me was like basically i made some bad decisions dana like encouraged me to get a therapist and then i you know i started speaking to some friends and then i was super lucky one of one of my friends rachel she was like hey you can speak to my mom she's a therapist if you want and jen and i got on a call and we hit it off straight away so i got really lucky cuz i got a lot of friends who've spoken to like multiple therapists and they don't identify with them and they don't get on with them you know and it doesn't work i have a pdf uh, like a a help sheet that I'll give to you guys that maybe we can put at the bottom of this mm-hmm, if people definitely. want the information it's there i think the you know the the best way to go about finding a therapist you know it's like you've got to try a few i guess it's like anything if you want it to work you have to put work in yourself personally yeah. you can't just assume that just because someone's a therapist they're going to work for you like you need to you need to actively well, exactly, seek you know and this the is the thing right it's like and it's so funny because like not to blow smoke up my ass but every day or every saturday when i go into therapy like i go in there to do the fucking work 
Like I like I whatever's on my mind, whatever's in my head, like I I leave it there. Like I don't you know, like sometimes it carries with me, but like whatever's on my mind, I just do the work. Like and I'm like I really work hard at my therapy when I'm in that session. You know, and it's like if you don't do the work, like nobody's going to do it for you, right? And your therapist can't like do the work for you, you know. And I've had like I've had quite a few conversations like you know, recently, like some, like some stuff where I'm like, fuck, can I say this? Am I being narcissistic? Like what, what, you know, am I a fucking weirdo? Whatever it is, you know, where I'm like, I'm contemplating whether I should say it. And it's, it'll sound cheesy or a cliche, but then I get it off my chest and I feel so much better. Like you actually feel like a weight's lifted. You know, I say it, Jed and I will unpack it. You know, we we go through what it, where it's coming from, what it is, and then you figure it out. But in order to get there, you have to trust your therapist as well. You know what I mean? And that 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 doesn't come overnight. That takes time. You know, I think where I'm fortunate is like I am pretty open. Like I've good. Like if someone asked me if I was at the, in going to therapy, I'd be like, yeah. Do you want to speak to her? You know, like, because a few of my friends have actually, you know, they've reached out to me, you know, and I think James is saying, you know, like, obviously I shared that, I shared a post on um, Instagram, you know, referencing starting therapy and the benefits that I was finding from it, you know. I had like five, maybe six other guys reach out and be like, hey, could I speak to your therapist? That feeling for me was like fucking so overwhelming. I felt so proud and so good, you know. Because you obviously, you know that feeling and, to have five or six guys reach out to you as like a, a cry for help that's a that's an honest moment from them and a tough one for a lot of guys to do yeah so yeah. think about all the think about the there's five or six that messaged you but think about perhaps the 10 times the 20 times the amount of people that that hit hit and like a notion with like i even messaged i don't know if i messaged you about it but i repost it i was like people need to see this yeah, yeah, yeah. and obviously everyone's been through shit in their lives and some people talk about it some people don't but that's that set in motion of something in my head to actually consider it because before when like everyone knows my mum passed away i was offered it all the time i was like ah, fuck i don't need that but as you say there is that unpackaging and there's that weight lifted and you can say anything that's truthful to you and get it out there and you're not being judged you're being like okay now let's see what this is and let's find out the root cause of why that's there. So you can understand it as a human being and then you can deal with it rather than it just being yeah. that little conversation that is eating and it's your like soul. It, it's like, well, exactly, you know, and it's like, bro, like your inner voice like can be so vicious sometimes, like and it, it can be a lot to deal with, you know, and when you have someone there to speak to in a judgment-free zone, it just like clears the air and it makes everything feel, you know, like I described it as I like, just feel lighter, you know what I mean? Like for me, like therapies help me feel lighter. Mm-hmm. And like, that's an extremely rewarding feeling. And if there's other guys out there that are like, you know, thinking about it, like I literally can't like stress like how much of a difference it's made for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still days, like I said, Monday and Tuesday this week, I was like fucking head head to the grinding stone with myself. But to that, like Jen, my therapist actually passed me this amazing podcast. Um, called how i fail with elizabeth day i think it's elizabeth day um but she he's got um she's got mo gaudat on as her host and he wrote the formula to happiness this is like like this podcast is really like 
this podcast we're on right now is an even better listen, but there's other podcasts. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, like it, it was really enlightening to me because of the way he spoke about dealing with his son's death. Like his son like needed appendix surgery, took his son to hospital. His son ended up dying in surgery. And it was like in the wake of it, like he was like, how do I process this? Like I have two choices, right? Like I can say Muhammad died, be bitter and miserable and angry for the rest of my life. Or I can say Muhammad lived and then I'm filled with these memories of these amazing things, you know? Gratitude, and being grateful, it, being grateful and being, you know, having gratitude towards, you know, those things. And, you know, for me, I, I think about like my, you know, like one of my thoughts is like one of the, my fears, I think my only fear is like my parents dying. And it's like, I often think about like what my reaction will be when that time comes. And when I listen to his way of, coping with his son's death. And I thought about, okay, if I think about my parents living as opposed to my parents dying, it feels a lot lighter. And Lift, I feel like, yeah, and be like, Hey, you've got to celebrate and, 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 you know, embrace the, the, the phenomenal, you know, journey and memories and life that they lived as opposed to thinking, are oh, they died? Yeah. It's a lot. Like I hear a lot of funerals. People say, no, it was a celebration of their life as opposed to mm. a mourning. So people go there and they actually, have a good time as opposed to go there. And obviously like it's, it's never it's not all like sunshine and rainbows. Like, so obviously it's, it's a hard time for people, but they go there to celebrate that person's life as opposed yeah. to just go there and feel like shit. Mm. Yeah. 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 I guess no, it's, it's just true. an extension of, of that. Yeah. Mm, it's hard to do, but it's, well, it's I think it, you know, I think it's hard to do and I think it's constant work, you know, but I think it's, yeah, like listening to that, listening to his perspective on how to deal with those things and the formula to happiness that he talks about, you know, like it, it just, you know, it helped. It's, make it's powerful difference. hearing that story as well, because if you try and put on a on a scoreboard, which is not something you should do, but like the worst things that can happen, you would all, I don't know, none of us are parents here, but the thought of losing a child is supposed to be like the ultimate love, right? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, we have mad love for our parents and brothers and sisters and whatnot, but the, the thought of losing a child is probably the most horrifying yeah. there is. So hearing hearing a story about happiness from that is amazingly powerful. Yeah, I had to put my dog down once. That was one of the worst days mm. of, my, of my life. Honestly, it was horrendous. So the thought of that being your actual child. Mm. Oh, mate, like I've, like I've lost quite a few dogs over the years yeah. and it's always the worst feeling ever. You know, like, it, it's like, it's so fucking sad and brutal. And I think, it, again, it's that, it, it's just trying to, like, take the perspective and find the perspective to be like, a dog lived a pretty cool life, you know, or the dog had a great life. And and then it makes it a bit lighter. And even you know? us now are, like, smiling about it. Like, there was, there was a moment there when you said about the dog's life, and I don't even have a dog, but it made me smile because mm. it's just that mind, quick mindset switch. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what are actionable things? So let's talk about you've been through like a dark time per se. We've, we've got into therapy, but what would be like, what are your tips when you start to recognize shit's going bad? What are the actionable changes you make to get you back to a reset and then go again? Do you have anything you do? The, I mean, the actionable change for me is just showing up for myself. Like more than anything, right? Like, and so... 
I came to the conclusion that like I didn't trust myself not to fuck things up for a long time, you know. And there's a lot to unpack there, but basically, you know, like I felt like for a long time I had wasted time and I had fucked things up, you know, whether it was the surfing and the partying or later on, you know, competitive CrossFit and the partying, you know, like there, there were there were opportunities where I had broken my trust with myself. And so I didn't trust myself. And it's like, if you don't trust yourself, you can't trust anyone else. So like in terms of actioning it, like it's like show up for yourself. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to go to bed at 10 and get up at five, do it. And you keep doing it, you keep repeating it, and you're progressively showing up for yourself. If you say you're going to go for a 10-minute walk, go do your 10-minute walk. If you say you're going to go for a 5K run, do your 5K run. You know, and that's one of the things I do now. So it's like, regardless of how I feel, like I train six days a week. Like yesterday, I didn't want to fucking train, but I trained, you know, and I felt way better for doing it, you know. And I don't do like an extensive amount of training. I train an hour a day. I follow the same program that every one of my members at the gym does. Same one that you guys do when you come to the gym, you know. But regardless of how I feel and regardless of what I have on my plate, whether it's whatever it is, I still make sure I make an hour a day for myself to train because that's important to me and it's me showing up for myself. And it's the same thing. Like if I go to bed at 10, I can get up at five and I feel good the next day. Right. So every night my, my bedtime reminder comes yeah. up, my phone goes on to the day. You were like, I need to go to bed. And I was like, yeah, you go to bed. My mate. phone, my <laughs> phone goes, you know, on to do not disturb. And I go to bed at 10, you know, Sunday night to Thursday night, 10 PM is my bedtime no matter what, no exceptions, you know, and a lot of it for me is as well is like trying to flex the muscle of saying no yeah. takes fucking work. And it's a powerful thing. Once you, once you figure out how to say it more, like I've always been a floaty guy. That's like, I just want to please people. Mm. Even if it's going uh, out pe- of my pe- way. People pleasing is so fucking it's, toxic. Yeah, it's it's so bad for you. It's terrible because you quickly get yourself in a situation where you didn't really want to be there, but you're just trying to, you're trying to do it for someone else and it's like then you go in that negative cycle of almost blaming the person that's invited you but then you're like no wait no i'm not fucking man enough to say no i i chose to go to that party right you know whatever it was it was actually all me but i'm making all these strange excuses why i couldn't just say no so i think like in terms of actionable like resources and uh, ways to you know to to like help like the first thing you need to do is you need to acknowledge that there's something there that you don't like once you've acknowledged it you can then begin to show up in other ways that are congruent with yourself you know and with the life you want to lead and then i think the other thing that's been really helpful for me is journaling so like i write down like i wake up at five i go downstairs i make a coffee sit at my you know sit at my desk i don't journal every day i should journal every day but you know most mornings i'll write in my journal this is how I feel. This is what I'm grateful for, et cetera, et cetera, you know? And it's just a little way, like, you, you don't have, it doesn't have to be structured what you write. Just write whatever comes to your mind. Write it down. Bam, bam, bam. Done. Close the journal. Get out, your head. get out of your head. Get in the shower. Have some breakfast. Bam. On my bike. Off to work I go, you know? But it's, you know, I think the big one for me is just, like, showing up for myself. That's, like, the biggest thing, you know? It's, like, if I make a commitment, like, I'm going to do it. And then that helps me build trust with myself. And then the more you trust yourself, the more open you are to trusting other people and scenarios and situations around you, 
which then you know transfers to everything and then know? people also adapt people learn about you and what you're doing and sort of your boundaries so you're then less likely to get that call at 10 well, p.m saying thing, oh right? this party i think you should come like when when they see what you're doing and you're doing it every day and you're saying no consistently to things that you know aren't gonna improve your life or keep you on the path you're on then there's a level of respect people get for you rather than being like oh that's oh that's matt the party guy or that's that's james james loves drinking beers i'm gonna invite him down for beers tonight <laughs> but, but that's it right and it's like it's setting boundaries like and people like it's so funny because people like get their back up about these words they're like oh you sound like you've been in therapy what are you talking about boundaries i'm like bro boundaries is like so important mm -hmm. and it's like so that whole thing of like showing up for yourself and setting boundaries for yourself identify an environment that is not good for you right if you identify an environment that is not good for you set a boundary not to go there right how do you build trust in yourself you don't go into that environment Bam. okay and then eventually once you feel confident that you can go into that environment without it influencing you in a negative way then you allow yourself to go back into that environment mm -hmm. you know but then it's a, you know it's it's constant work, you know, and like once you've like opened your eyes up to it a little bit, I mean, it's, I think it's definitely easier to have your head buried in the sand, but is that a way to live your life? I don't think so. It's not how I want to live my life. You know, I'd rather be fucking eyes open, see everything. And some days it's more overwhelming, but it's also way more rewarding to, to know you're in control of your life. And you're the master of your fate, you know, master of your destiny. Like, Fuck living with your head in the sand. Is there anything else you have kind of habits wise? You've spoken about um, journaling, you've spoken about your training, you've spoken about bed early, therapy once a week, that kind of stuff. I know you shared headspace on your story a long time ago. Do you still yeah. meditate? I haven't meditated in a while. And I've been thinking about getting into like doing the Wim Hof stuff again, just because I find that breathing stuff super helpful for me. Helps me clear my mind. There's a yoga pose called corpse pose or Shavasana, Savasana, but corpse pose. And it's, it's just where you lie flat on your back, palms facing the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And I try to drill that into my day twice, just 10 minutes. And you know, I, Jen was the one, my therapist who, who recommended it because it's like, if you can't make 10 minutes for yourself twice in a day, like what life are you living? What do you do in that time? I just lay flat on my back and breathe. Yeah, and I just, my, my brain's active, but it's like, you just try to just breathe and like not fixate on anything. So lie flat on your back, 10 minutes, palm facing the ceiling and try and allow your entire body to like melt into the floor. Like, yeah, so you're trying to pull everything into the ground and it just grounds you. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. So when I wake up in the morning, it's like called Maori, Maori the Maori principle, put my feet on the ground sit on the edge of my bed grateful to be alive grateful to be awake grateful for another day let's go mm -hmm. stand up crack on there's a thing as well you're talking about the corpse pose as well it's like you don't realize how uptight you are and how you're often flexing and holding on to some some kind of pressure somewhere and i always i always find that when if i can't sleep at night sometimes if you do like 10 to 60 seconds of breathing and you 
you tense all of your muscles. So you start with the toes, start with your feet, go calves, quads, hamstrings, the whole way up, squeeze everything. And then you just like basically say goodnight to each area. Like I actually talk to, I'll be like, goodnight thighs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it's a, it's a really- bro, I just put CBD on yeah. everywhere, bro. If I'm not, if I'm struggling to sleep, I'm like my pure sport bum is just on my knees, my, my chest everywhere, rub it. But I actually, you know, like the CBD, the, the CBD is something I do every night without fail. You know, like, you know, we speak about this like a lot. Like it's like advertise or promote anything that I don't fucking believe in or don't use. And it's like CBD before bed. It's like, it makes a big difference. I sleep like a fucking baby. I am a world champion sleeper, but <laughs> the CBD, like it makes a big difference. You know, that's part of a daily routine for me. It's like CBD is like part of my like nighttime routine along with my cleanse and moisturize oh, you yeah. know you got good skin i was just saying yeah, i was saying skin. this to james as i walked in i was like i got quite a bedtime routine bro you know like shower tea yeah. you know I, I cleanse and moisturize every day same we were talking about incidental brushing tp shout out to them they should yeah. definitely be a sponsor of this podcast i'm the complete opposite i have like one shower gel, one shampoo, and that's me done. <laughs> that sense. was me. James and then, easy. like, I washed my face with, like, the body soap in front of my ex, and she was like, don't let me ever see you do that again. <laughs> Cleanser. <laughs> Moisturizer. <laughs> Women's influence in skincare realm is nah, brilliant. I did buy a charcoal face rub the other day. Did you get it from Boots or somewhere? No. Nah, like, Thank God for that. Nah. It was good, though. Like, I'm actually going to buy that again. Ooh. Leveling up my life. Leveling up, bro. I swear, skincare, skincare routine is big. But that's, you know, and again, this ties into all of these things we're talking about, about self-love and self-care and showing up for yourself, right? Like 10 minutes on your back twice a day is self-care and self-love, right? Taking yourself out for dinner once a week. You don't have to go for dinner with people. Go for dinner by yourself. That's the thing you've been doing. Buy yourself flowers. I've noticed yeah. that recently. Hey, I, I buy, buy myself, myself flowers. flowers every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love it. Bro, and then, like, I buy myself flowers on Sunday at the end of, like, the week, you know, because, like, like, recently I've been working, like, you know, I'll do, like, a month, a month, like, without a day off, and then I'll take a weekend off. And it's, like, when I finish work at, like, 2 p.m. on a Sunday, I go buy myself some flowers, go home, arrange them. Like, it's just, like, a little thing there where I'm, like, not really thinking. I fuck so heavily with that, by the way. I fucking I like, love it. I like the, I really like the process of things. And it's one of those things like being in a startup or starting your own business, you often miss those moments. Like I'd go and buy coffee beans and roast them and then grind them. That's why I like cooking so much because I feel free. I don't follow a recipe because I don't want to be stuck to doing something. Like I want to be creative in a realm where I feel somewhat comfortable. But like the, the process of something is often often the best the journey is the best part it's not like the finish line so yeah. that coffee might taste good but i really enjoyed just thinking about roasting those beans and what size grind i wanted like yeah it's wonderful you're, you're, taking like, that you're time. super present in that moment yeah. of what you're doing and you kind of forget yeah. everything else is going on because normally you just go through your life being like oh, get this done this done this yeah. done this done this done before you know it's the end of the day yeah and yeah, yeah. my equivalent is like i mentioned headspace yeah. i use that every single day without fail have done for probably like four or five years and that's my little like thing just to remove myself from everything it's only 10 minutes mm. but it's so valuable and like how you mentioned earlier before you go to sleep how you tense every single muscle mm. i do the same thing i go through and i think about my feet my ankles i know you are kind of work your way up your body and you literally just forget about everything mm. for just 10 minutes and it's so so good it makes such a difference you know self-care self-love is fucking mm. it's like 
it's it's the mo- like it is the most important because it's and a, a lot of why I started therapy was because I just didn't really like the person I saw in the mirror. Whereas now I'm like finally in a position where I'm like, hey, I kind of fuck with that guy. Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Mate. It's like, well it's done, like well you're done. all right, you know? <laughs> and it's that whole thing of like, you know, showing up for yourself, trusting yourself, you know, loving yourself. Like if you don't love yourself, fuck, you, you'd be damned to find someone who loves you, you know? Like, and it's my buddy James said it, you know, and he, it's his like mantra when he goes to the gym. He's like, nobody's going to do it for you. And like, I, we were talking about this the other day and like that really resonated with me. Nobody's going to love you if you don't love yourself. Nobody's going to fucking show up for you if you don't show up for yourself. Nobody's going to trust you if you don't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in that, like it all starts and ends with you, you know, and you've got to do the work on yourself because nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah, so pouring for an empty cup kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. That idea. Yeah. So let's talk about arc because arc is now your your vessel your yeah. vi- your vehicle we've obviously been down a lot love it there you've now got all the new equipment finally but talk about sort of arc what it means to you what you're doing there where it's based so arc is based in south london south of the river we are a athletics club i am going to affiliate and then we can use the use the word crossfit well the, my my approach with arc you know, is it is more than a CrossFit gym. It's more than a gym. You know, we're we're trying to look at an entirely holistic approach to help people show up for themselves. You know, and and to help people, you know, be more conscious and more aware of what they're doing, not only in the gym but in life. And the same thing I talk about with everyone when they come through the door. It's like you made a conscious choice to buy a membership, to show up to this class, to book this class. Like, be here, be present. Be conscious of how you're moving your body. Be conscious of what your mind's doing, you know, and, uh, you know, reminding members that, hey, if you openly say this workout's going to suck, you're planting seeds of doubt into the other members' heads. All of a sudden, this workout will suck. You can think it's going to suck, but don't say it out loud, okay? (laughs) We ain't got time for that or space for that, you know? So it's just trying to help people build a more conscious approach to, you know, more conscious thought process to how they approach life training and everything in between what made you um because we spoke about this a little while ago about reaffiliating with crossfit because i'm a big fan of crossfit as in the training methodology the community not necessarily the brand but just kind of what they what they promote as a as a brand i guess but you were unsure whether you were going to affiliate with crossfit a little while ago I think they, you know, like I have, you know, like I, like I said, I've been involved with this since 2011 when I started. Um, and, you know, the previous owner, Greg Glassman, he made some poor decisions, some poor choices, you know, and he did alienate me, you know. I was like, fuck this. I don't want to be involved with it. I never stopped loving it. I never stopped training it. I never stopped loving the community that, you know, and the environment that it creates. But I definitely fell out of love with the brand for a while. Mm-hmm. Whereas under new ownership, they seem to be making better choices. The people they're bringing in are people, you know, Ollie Mansbridge now heads up CrossFit UK. This guy's been around, you know, like he's part of the furniture. <laughs> he's a 10-year affiliate, isn't he? Down he's a 10-year affiliate at CrossFit Bath. Exactly, ones, yeah. you know, like one of, the fir- one of the first 10 in the UK. 
Uh, I think one of the first hundred in the world, even perhaps I know, like I know central London and a few other gyms are like for top first hundred in the world. And so I just think they're making better choices. And so it's like, okay, if you guys are making good choices, then that aligns with me more. But the second they start, like the second they start to waver from that, then I'm out. But right now they're doing, you know, they're doing the right things. And I think from a competitive point, like where I would like to see the gym competitively, I think it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'd like to have a real competitive team out of the gym alongside what we do holistically. Mm-hmm. Well, we can definitely vouch for the holistic side and just enjoying ourselves there. Like the last time I was in, the workout was what? What's your favorite drink? <laughs> so it's like you're you're gearing people up to get together, not just like in the workout, but to create real friendships and relationships outside of that. And there's like a there's like a comfort level of turning up, knowing other people there, and it not just being you're here for 45 minutes to an hour and then you leave and come back in when you're next here and like this conversation we've had today like even with even when I was leaving the other day with Julia you were giving her such sound advice and as I'm I'm saying this conversation there's like snippets of this that you have with all your members yeah. I remember Grayson and Chelsea leaving the other day and they came back here with a quote sorry my, my brain's mashed so I won't remember it but you always seem to leave some kind of positive effect on people not just from having that knowledge in a in a crossfit or a functional fitness sense but you give people more than just that 45 minutes there's there's a deeper level and they've taken more from the workout than just the fitness side of things so that's like the biggest thing i can say about yourself and arc as a as a business yeah one thing i don't know who said it too but somebody regurgitated it to us it was you wouldn't talk to me like that. Yes. So why would you talk to yourself like that? That's the one. And like someone's picked that up from a CrossFit class where they've gone to just get a sweat on and have a good time, get some endorphins and feel fit. And they've come away with that quote in their own head. And they can apply that to so many things in life, not just them, you know, training in the gym. But that's it, right? You know, like, and I had a guy come in this morning. He goes, oh, I'm a terrible squatter. And I'm like, if you set those limits for yourself, right, how are you ever going to progress? Mm-hmm. So like changing your communication in the way you change your communication, your language is essential to success, right? So looking at yourself and saying, I'm, have, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm facing some challenges with my squat versus I'm terrible at squatting. Mm-hmm. They are two very different conversations that you can have with yourself. It's true. Like you would never speak to other people the way you speak to yourself in your own head, Right. So you got to stop it, you know, like if you're like, if you're speaking negatively to yourself, you got to like really work on getting rid of that. And I think the best way to, to, to start there is say, hey, would I speak to someone else like this? Would I speak to someone I loved like this? Would I speak to someone I cared about like this? And if you wouldn't, then why the fuck are you doing it? So that's what, that's one of the biggest things for me. It's like all the things, all the difficulties you've been through in life and figuring those things out and going to therapy, like art for me is more than just the fitness place. You you have yourself as as the leader there that encapsulates probably a lot of pain and a lot of lessons. And then you give those nuggets out to people. And the, the quote James just said, like that can, that can change someone's perspective. It, it's instantaneous, obviously, because people take external motivation really quickly, but they can carry that with them for a long time. 
and coming back to the gym, they'll continuously get reminded of that and then they'll build it up so they can confidently take it themselves. And then they might say that quote to me or to James and we can do that. So it's an incredibly powerful thing you're doing at ARC. Because that's been super insightful because like, obviously we've known each other for what, probably like six years now. Yeah. And I met you when you were teetotal, you were yeah. like OG CrossFit, you were real, like real competitive. And I've seen you kind of the ups and downs over the years, the different kind of things you've been getting yourself into and not into and stuff like this. Yeah. So this has been like super, because we only ever see each other. We have a laugh and a joke. We never yeah. really like delve into things deep because that's just yeah. probably not a conversation to have at the gym or something like this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. this has been like super, super valuable for me just to kind of get to know a bit more about you. And I hope the listeners have, yeah, learned something from this as well. Yeah. I certainly have. And what I'm going to do after this and what I encourage everyone to do after this is not just check out Matt Rodwell on Instagram or any socials at Matt Rodwell. I'm going to lay in corpse, co corpse pose yeah. for, for a minute. I'm just going to take a second for myself. Yeah. We'll link Matt's Instagram. We'll link Ark in the show notes as well. If you want to go down to Ark's fucking sick gym, um, especially with the new equipment. I haven't been down since the new equipment. Yeah, the rogue the treacle bike up. took three souls already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so bougie with my equipment. And the fact that you've ordered Rogue makes me very, very happy. Um, I'll also dig out that podcast that you spoke about yeah, earlier yeah. i'll put that in the show notes as well was there anything else we spoke about that we can put in there? um i will send you guys the pdf for mental health help how to how to get help with mental health etc we can put that in and then yeah if anyone ever needs anything just reach out i'll help in however you know in whatever way i can as long as it you know doesn't bring me down or make me not congruent with myself you know i think that's the one thing that's really important to remember like it's easy to like over promise and under deliver, you know, do what you can, you know, be open and loving and, you know, caring and how you communicate what you're capable of doing and people won't meet it with, you know, disappointment. Yeah. And as someone asking as well, that you also have to remove yourself and put yourself in their situation perhaps and know that they only have a certain amount of time or efforts they can do to kind of give you the answers you're seeking with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Love everyone, give people time. Definitely love yourself. Matt Rodwell, it's been a fucking pleasure, bro. Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. Yo, thank you, Pure Sport fan, for tuning in. As a valued listener, we'd like to offer you a 20% discount code site-wide on puresportcbd.com. Use the code PROJECT20 to level up your life. If you like this podcast, like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And remember, no stress, stay blessed, and we'll catch you next time.